Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range, or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to About Progress, a podcast devoted to ordinary people who are striving to make realistic improvements in their lives and reach their goals, however big or small. We are building a community of men and women who love to push themselves to overcome obstacles and make something special of their lives, all while maintaining a healthy balance. In short, people who know life is about progress, not perfection. Hi everyone, welcome to today's podcast. If you are new here and wondering who on earth I am and what I'm about, I have an introductory podcast at the beginning of this series that will give you more insight into me and the experiences I have had in my life that led me to create this podcast dedicated to my whole thing about progress, not perfection. You can find that on my blog, www.aboutprogress.com. Just click on the tab at the top that says podcast and you'll be able to find that introductory episode as well as past episodes. I have a do something highlight for you at the end of this podcast. It's a short one. And if you are wondering what that is, it is a series that I started on my blog earlier this year 
one where people do something that scares them. It can be big, it can be small. Lately, I've been highlighting what people share with me and what they are doing, and I hope in the future to have whole podcasts dedicated to this series, where we hear interviews with people who are doing their best to face their fears and make something special of their lives. But I also want to share little things like when people call insurance or maybe they do a workout class they were scared of, because we all know sometimes you just need to face those little fears first. If you would like to share your do something that you are working on, nominate someone else who is being brave or who has a story to tell, or just share with me what you are doing while listening to this podcast, please direct message me on Instagram or Facebook at my handle about progress. You can email me or use the hashtag about progress podcast. One of my friends from a study abroad told me that she listened to a past podcast with Aubrey Greenan while she was in Paris for work and that it gave her some relief after a stressful day, and she said some other really kind things that gave me a good boost that I needed. I'd also like to thank the people who have subscribed and left reviews. I'm starting to get some reviews from people whose names I don't recognize, and it's making me so happy. So if you like what you heard today, or even have some constructive criticism for me, I'd love it if you could subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. That's the way podcasts get bumped up on their algorithm, and it really helps attract like-minded listeners. I want to get to our interview today with Katie Chessman. Katie was so fun to talk to and made me really think about how I am connecting with the elderly people in my life. Katie is behind the Listening Air Project, where she shares beautiful interviews with older men and women. These interviews are far from boring. They are fascinating, entertaining, and humbling. They make you feel grateful for what you have and inspire you to make more of your life or even just have more fun. Katie shares the history behind why and how she created this project, why it is worth all the effort, time, and money she puts into it, what her mission is behind it, and what she hopes people can take away from the interviews she shares. She also goes into her own life and the struggles she has faced that have helped her gain a perspective of acceptance for what she is as a work in progress. Let's go on to the interview. Hi, Katie. Thanks so much for being on the show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. I, I want you to give us a little introduction to yourself and your family, all that, if you can tell us um, who you are. Perfect. My name is Katie Chessman, and I'm a wife and mother to a 19-month-old baby girl named Mabel, and I'm a registered nurse. I'm not currently working right now, but um, staying home with my babe, and um, a few things about me. I love photography and videography, kind of like everyone in Utah, <laughs> but I just love being creative, making movies of our adventures and things like that. Um, I love spending time with people, meeting new people. I, I hate being alone. I am a total extrovert. And um, let's see, a couple of things I'm known for are, um, well, obviously old people. And <laughs> I have this obsession with clouds, which is kind of weird but I love clouds I'm part of the cloud appreciation society club I have never heard of that and yeah I'm just a nerd I'm kind of a nerd but I just love the sky I'm studying clouds and things like that so it's good by the way I sound like a man I'm kind of congested so bear with me that's good for people to know no no you're you're calling from Utah correct yes yeah you were born and raised there Mm-hmm. Born and raised here. Oh, I was actually born in California, oh, um, but we only lived there for a couple of years. Yeah, in Escondido near San Diego. So 
I, I like to say I'm a Cali girl at heart, but, you, you, you totally know, are. pretty much Utah is my home. <laughs> so I, so. we have a lot to talk about today with what you talked about, how you love old people. And we'll get into that a little bit later, but I first want to go into a little bit of you, you when you're growing up years. So because you are successful at what you do now, I like to take a look back. So I want to know, have you always been a go-getter? Because in order to get where you are today, you had to work really, really hard. And I, I always like to see what people were like growing up. So what was that like for you? Yeah, I was. I would say I was definitely always a go-getter. I, I'm the kind of person that, I, you know, I have a task and I'm just do it right now. Get it done. Like, nothing can stop me. I would, I'd have to say that it's probably more out of like stubbornness and pride than yeah. <laughs> actually just like wanting to get it done. I, I'm kind of stubborn like that. But yeah, from the time I was young, I've always kind of been strong-willed like that. Um, growing up, I was, I was kind of a little bit quirky. I mean, obviously my obsessions are old people in clouds. It's <laughs> 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 not normal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like I've always been kind of creative and enjoyed like just experimenting and creating things. I remember always like, you know, making perfumes out of like flower petals and making tie dye everything and hanging things in my room and stuff. So I've always enjoyed creating and, and accomplishing like tasks. So, so you've got yeah, both kind of sides of it then. Like, you've got the creative sorry, side, you've got the creative side and you've got the goal oriented side. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. It's a perfect mix, I would say, because usually it's one or the other for most people. So uh, you you said yeah. you said you're a, a nurse, and mm-hmm. I mean any friend that I've had that went through nursing school, it's just so intense. So <laughs> I I want to know what college was like for you in nursing school. Yeah, um, so I didn't decide to do nursing until a little bit later um, after I taking a bunch of generals and I was like oh I want to do nursing and then it was kind of crazy because I had to take a whole bunch of home improvements and so basically I went to school for like 10 years is what it felt like but um no it was really good I I like I said I like a challenge and so I always enjoyed school and enjoyed learning um that is until I got pregnant a year before I was graduating oh yeah so I unexpectedly well, yeah, we didn't think we'd get pregnant that quickly. Uh-huh. So I got pregnant, and it just threw me for a loop. Nursing mm. school was insane. I was just throwing up at clinicals and trying to stay awake during class. So that was kind of nuts. Mm. Um, but overall, I had a really good experience. I made some great friends, and I, I learned a lot about myself and about the health field. So it was a good experience. What made you want to go into nursing? Um... Honestly, I knew I wanted to go into the geriatric field. I just um, had that love for old people and um, just kind of wanted to care for them and and have a job that would make a difference in someone's life. So that was kind of my underlying reason for going into nursing. So you knew even going into nursing school that you wanted to specialize in geriatrics? Oh, yeah, yeah. And all my friends thought I was crazy because that's like the low end of the totem pole job like that's your stepping stone to getting into a hospital and Mm -hmm. stuff like that so people would ask and kind of look at me like what (laughs) but yeah I've just I've always been that nurse that wants to work with the elderly so 
So how did that start for you? How did you gain that love of the elderly? Um, so my first job, I worked at an assisted living center, and I served food there. I was just a little server, and that was kind of the beginning of it. I just loved the atmosphere, and I loved the people. And then I also had a close relationship with um, my grandparents and just had so much respect for them. So that's kind of where it stems. And then, yeah, it's, I feel like it's always just been instilled in my heart. I don't know. It just I was kind of born with it, I guess. So it's not an, ever been something that made you frightened or intimidated by by that work that involves, you know, a lot of, it's a lot of grunt work to work with the elderly, but it's also a lot of emotional work too. And I think a lot of people shy away from that just as much as the physical side to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as, as nurses, I mean, like I see a nurse and I'm like, oh, how do you work at primary children? You know, I could never do that. But those nurses, I feel like are born to do that. They're born to be able to handle those situations. And then people look at me, you know, how do you do that? And so it's kind of, I feel like everyone kind of has their niche and, and what they just are able to handle, I guess. So what is a typical nursing day like when you are working with the elderly? Well, it kind of depends on the job. I worked at um, a nursing rehabilitation center, and that was more like I would have tons of patients. You know, like some days I'd have 20 patients, which was kind of insane, and it was just mm-hmm. running around, passing meds, doing dressing changes, dealing with family members, mm-hmm. which is the hardest part of the job, I'd have to say. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just making sure you're getting all the tasks done. It's it's not very much, you know, one-on-one care. It's kind of like crazy, insane, mm-hmm. but um, always exciting and fun. And then, um, and then I did home health for a while, and that was more, you know, low-key. Like I could visit with patients, and I would drive to their homes and do the dressing changes and help them with different tasks and things like that. So it definitely depended on the job, but both were great for me. So, was there something that happened as a nurse as you cared for these wonderful people that spurred your eventual project? Yeah, I uh, I think it was when I was doing home health. That was my most recent job, and I would just sit and talk with them, you know, because I had the time to, mm-hmm. and I had all these stories and just advice, and I was like, whoa, these people are rad. Like, mm-hmm. I need to share this with people, and... um I could also see, you know, in my other job, in both jobs, I could see just a physical change. Like when I would take the time to talk with them and visit with them, it was like they were a new person after just having a conversation. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy, Mm -hmm. you know, like this, just having human interaction and talking is helping them heal. And I just thought it was incredible. And so, I don't know, it was almost like a, it was like a light bulb, like just like, ding, oh, you should interview, you should film, like. It just kind of all came together um, one day, and I was, I was super excited about it, and I started and loved it. So that's kind of kind of how it started. And, and I mean, everyone has a story. Everyone wants to share, you know, even us. Like, we want to tell people about our lives and, mm. and talk and discuss, and so they're no different, you know? Yeah. So I feel like at the root of who you are, you love people. You said you're an extrovert, but you also love stories. You love hearing why people are the way they are, and you like making them feel validated for their stories. 
Yes, absolutely. I think it's so important. And I loved hearing you talk about that physical change that went over people after just having that interaction with you. So I had the idea. How did it, how did you get started? That seems like a huge hurdle. You said you love photography and videography, but did you already have those skills going into this? Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a professional photographer. I just enjoy it and it Mm -hmm. it becomes a little bit easier to me, more so than writing, you know, it just, Mm -hmm. it just kind of comes easy to me. So, um, when it started, I, I had that idea and I instantly called one of my friends, Kim, because I knew she had done writing and journalism and I was like, oh, she'll be the perfect partner, you know, and I, I called her and I was like, you love old people? And she was was a little thrown off because she was like, well, she's going to ask me to like, you know, bathe them or clean them. Like she was like, um, I'm actually a little afraid of that. (laughs) And then once I like explained the idea, she was like, oh yeah, this is awesome. And so we kind of started out together and she's since kind of branched off just because my project is so niche and I'm so passionate about it. I, mm-hmm. I don't know anyone else who is that passionate about it, you know, and it's been good. It's been really good because she's been able to write um, on other topics and things and I've been able to kind of take it where I want to. So that's how I started. And I originally started just taking pictures of the people I interviewed and then typing it up, you know, um, from the recording that I had. And then I eventually switched over to video because I was like, people need to see their cute, like, mannerisms and their accents and um, just how they tell the story. So I switched to video and kind of edited it down. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it began. So how do you find the people? Um, usually it's like a friend says, oh, you should interview my grandpa or, you know, someone in my neighborhood I've interviewed like my patients that I had that I grew close to, and um, I've even had some of my followers like recommend people. One of my favorite interviews um, was recommended by just a follower saying, "You have to interview this guy," you know. So I I usually get recommendations, or um, I'll just ask like some of my old coworkers if they have any cute patients that would want to be interviewed. So that's usually how I get them. And then once you find them, what is the process like in getting the interview done? I'm sure you have to prepare questions ahead of that, but do you meet with them before even doing questions? Like, tell us what that whole process is like. Um, no, I usually don't meet with them before just because it's, it's, you know, I've got to get a babysitter. I've got to mm-hmm. carve out some time. Um, I have some questions that I, that I usually, that I already have like a template and that kind of like gets their memory, you know, their memories going. And, and so I, I usually just have a standard template. And then um, I, I usually communicate with like a daughter or son because they're usually like, what? Who's coming over? Like, uh-huh. and I don't know if it's the generation, but a lot of them are kind of paranoid. Like, what do they want from me? You know, mm-hmm. I don't understand. And then once I get there and explain it, they still don't understand because they're like, what? Instagram? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it, I usually just prep it as like, this is kind of like a documentation of your history, you know, for your children and family that I'm going to share publicly. And, and then they understand. And, and a lot of them are, are a little confused still, but most of them are excited about it. And then once we get going and I start asking questions and then they just, you know, they open up and, and they love it. They love it. Mm. So. 
Yeah, how it's long, really cool. How long does it take you to put one of um, those videos together? Honestly, it takes hours <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's, it's so tedious because I take little clips of my favorite parts. You know, no one's going to want to see two hours of footage. And so mm-hmm. I have to watch the whole thing and figure out my favorite things and then condense it. And I'm I'm actually toying with the idea of just posting like my favorite clips on Instagram and Facebook just because it's so time consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, but the family is always really appreciative when I when I do, you know, the whole interview. So We'll see. I'm kind of playing it by ear right now. Um, but yeah, it takes it's a lot of work, but it's definitely a labor of love for sure. So when I met you, you talked about how you had decided to put nursing on hold in order to pursue this project. What was that decision like for you? It was honestly really hard just because being a nurse was my identity. I'd gone through all this work in school and not to say I'm giving up on nursing forever, sure. but um, you know, I'd go to my jobs and I'd have, I mean, I struggle with anxiety as it is a little bit. I'd go to my job, just be overwhelmed with anxiety. And, mm-hmm. and then I was also doing this project at the same time. And I would go to an interview and just visit. And it was like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. like no pressure, just visiting, just talking, getting to know these people. And, and that's kind of, I was kind of like, I was in the position where I was able to quit my job and, I was like, this is obviously my real passion. This is what makes me really happy. Um, I don't, you know, as much as I would love to be a nurse right now, I I don't need that extra stress in my life. And mm-hmm. I can stay home with my baby, you know. And yeah. so it kind of just all made sense. And it was it was really hard to give up. I remember, like, falling to my boss, like, I'm so sorry. Because yeah. <laughs> I'd only been there, like, a year, you know. And um, so it was hard, but now I know it was the right decision. I feel so great about it. And, and I know that this is, this is what I'm passionate about. You know, it's not the dressing changes or the passing meds or the care plans. It's, it's just learning about these people and getting to know them. So is the majority of the project out of your pocket right now? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really cost, it doesn't really cost much just because I have you know, I have my camera, I have my programs on my computer. So, yeah, it is right now. I'm, I haven't, like, invested in anything. It's honestly just, like, a hobby. It's mm-hmm. on the side, you know, for fun. And I ask that question only because you, you, put, you, you put your nursing career on hold for this. But, it, mm-hmm. you know, when you're paying for this out of your own pocket, it's taking a lot of hours and your time and your, your emotional energy. Um, that you are investing in this. So I think it's important to know that part of it because I, I'm going to ask you now, what makes this worth it for you? What makes it worth all of that? Um, so I recently had one of my favorite patients. I got really close. His name was Glenn and I got close to he and his wife and I had interviewed them, you know, a few months ago and they just had the most amazing stories and, um, and he unexpectedly passed away like mm-hmm. two weeks ago and yeah. I shared the footage with the family, you know, of what I captured and they were so grateful. Mm-hmm. They just couldn't tell me enough how grateful they were to have, you know, that, that documentation of his history and life and him sharing stories with his wife 
right before he had passed away and um hmm. things like that are what make it worth it or or like my friend Donna she had she was also a patient of mine and she had to move out of her home and she was so upset about it that she was in a new assisted living facility and I went and saw her you know right when she moved in and she didn't have any friends yet and she was lonely and she was so so upset and she's now since made friends and is happy there but that night when I went there you know she was just so happy to see me and just instances like that where these people are so grateful to have you know what you've done it just it makes it all worth it I love that you call them friends too that that just shows a lot about you. You know, this isn't just some person. This is this is someone who's important to you in your own life. I love that, Katie. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I def- it's funny because I'm kind of awkward, like, around adults and even, like, kids and teenagers. But, like, I don't know. When I'm with the elderly, it's like we're kindred spirits and I'm, like, on the same page as them. I don't know. I just, yeah, it's it's funny. They are definitely my friends. I consider them some of my closest friends. So for someone who might be intimidated by elderly, what are some tips you can say about how to interact with them? Well, if you have children, they love children. They just mm-hmm. light up when they see little kids. So um, like when I take my daughter Mabel to visit, it just, it kind of breaks the ice, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're just like, oh, they're so cute. And then you just start talking and then usually they'll talk about you know, if they were a mother or father, they'll talk about that. Um, so kids usually break the ice pretty well. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think just asking them, you know, just treating them like a human being, like, hey, how was your day? Um, yeah. You know, how are you feeling today? Um, even just questions about, you know, their childhood or what it was like for them as a mother, things like that, that you can both relate to. Mm-hmm. Um I think helped for sure. Yeah, that is that is really helpful. And um, tell us tell us about one of one or two of the people you have interviewed. If there's like a story that so, kind of stands out to you. Yeah, I I'll tell you about a couple. Um, one of my favorite interviews was Bill Bauckham. He um, he's a World War II veteran of the Korean War. He was a a Marine and a sniper. And he, it was like a full blown history lesson. I went over there. He had maps, he had books, he had pictures, Mm -hmm. like he had a video. He showed me all this stuff. And I had like, I had no idea Mm -hmm. anything. Like I'm not a historian, but I feel like 
I just learned so much. And he opened up about his PTSD and we cried together and wow. he shared these insane experiences. He's the most incredible storyteller. And, um, it's kind of changed my life. Like I was yeah. so grateful for, you know, these people who have sacrificed their life and, um, it was, was just kind of life changing. Was that, was him talking about PTSD? Had that been something that was really private to him beforehand? Or is it something that he was more open about? In you know, general? he's actually, yeah, he's actually an advocate, um, for soldiers coming home. So he goes up to the VA and he helps them, helps these soldiers work through, um, things that they've seen and stuff like that. So I think he's overcome it and has, is pretty open about it, but he, he told me that every time he talks about it, he, um, he just rehashes all of those memories and, you know, he, he'll talk to me about all these stories and he'll say tonight, like, I'll be, I'll probably be up all night dreaming and walking around and crying and like, it just brings all those memories like back to reality, you know? Wow. And so it's hard because it's so incredible when he, you know, he's, I've had him over at my house with, like, family to tell stories. I He actually, my friend Kim, who was a writer, wrote an article about him in a local online magazine. And so that was shared, which was cool. And so mm. his stories need to be shared because they're so life-changing and incredible and inspiring. Um, but yet, it's so heartbreaking to see that every time he does share those stories, you know, it, yeah. it brings him back to that place. Um, and then, he's so but yeah, he's that. just incredible. And then uh, another one, her name is Sharon. Oh, my gosh, she's so amazing. I walk in her house, and it's literally covered, like, wall to wall. Every single space in her home is covered with watermelon decoration or red. Yes, trinkets and pictures and a bright red couch. And she was the happiest person I would have to say I've ever met. She was so positive mm-hmm. and happy and loving. She just hugged us. She didn't even know us, my friend and I went. And, um, she hasn't had like the easiest life, but she just chooses to be happy. And that kind of changed my life too. I was like, wow, this woman inspires me to be happy. She's just so happy. So those two like probably couldn't be more opposite, but, um, the thing that they had in common is just that they'd both been through such life experiences and they're now, um, helping other people with, with the experience that they've had. And so they both pretty much changed my life and I love them. I love that. So they, you were saying they all have in common, um, they all have in common hard stories and their willingness to share them in order to help others. Is that what you were saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these, these people, they just have such wisdom and so many years and years of experience and, you know, uh, yeah, they just have so much to offer, and and from what I've gathered, most of them, you know, are helping others or being examples to others based off of what they've been through in their life. So, do you think that couples with your mission? Well, what would you say your mission is with this project? I mean, my underlying mission is just to promote elderly appreciation and really realizing how wonderful this generation is and what they've been through um, and just helping our younger generation appreciate, you know, what they, what they've sacrificed for us and um, just basically learning from them, 
learning from their wisdom and, and gaining a respect for them and what they've been through. So that's, that's pretty much my mission. Um, and then another aspect is just documenting, um, like I mentioned with Glenn, like, I think it's so important to document journal, um, and it's wonderful to be able to pass down, you know, stories and advice for generations. I, I wish so badly I would have done this with my grandparents. Um, but I know that if, and by doing this for other people that their children and grandchildren will have it. So you talked about the next generation and you have a 17 month old or 19 month old daughter, 19 month old. So thinking about her as part of the next generation we are raising right now, what do you hope your daughter will learn from these interviews? Um, I hope that she just finds a love in her heart for the elderly, like I have, and just a love for people in general. You know, if there's one thing I've learned, it's a, it's so cheesy and cliche, but everyone has this story. Everyone has fought a battle or is fighting a battle, and I just hope that she can love everyone, you know, despite mm-hmm. backgrounds or experiences or even personalities, you know. Oh, mm-hmm. not every old person is nice, <laughs> but I just hope that she can love people and then also just just see how much happiness you can get from serving other people. Like, I think I selfishly do this for myself because <laughs> I'll leave an interview and be on cloud nine because it just feels good, you know, to mm-hmm. to make someone's day or have someone make your day. It just it's a good mutual feeling of happiness from from serving them you brought up your your grandparents now I know that you lived with your grandfather is that right yeah I did I lived with him um for about nine months and Mm -hmm. cared for him so yeah it was it was hard but it was good I look back on those years or those months and I'm just so grateful that I had that time with him but so it was you, definitely, it definitely wasn't the easiest. Now, you were living with him in order to care for him? Mm-hmm, yeah, so he had dementia, and it was just getting worse and worse. And um, my husband and I had been married for about a year, and my mom just asked if we would move in, and I did because I loved him, and caring for him, you know, was just kind of came naturally to me, and I was a nurse, and so... Um, I was working on becoming a nurse and yeah, he, it was kind of like the difficult and the fact that it was kind of like caring for a child 24 seven that mm-hmm. wasn't your own, you know, constantly watching him, um, making sure he didn't do anything dangerous or leave the house. Um, so it was hard, but it was, yeah, like I said, that time that I had with him was so special to me and I look back and I'm grateful that I, that I was able to care for him and learn for him during that time. I think people really undervalue caregivers and they undervalue, yeah, they undervalue how much work it is and how much, oh, how emotionally draining it is. Tell us about that. Yeah, I actually just started like a a part of my project, a a series where I want to kind of highlight caregivers and what they go through, you know, with different diseases Mm. like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. And I'm really excited to dive into that, but that's, that's honestly where it stemmed that appreciation and respect for caregivers because it is hard, hard work, mm-hmm. hard work for sure. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, it was heartbreaking. Like he would always ask where my grandma was and I would have to, 
you know, tell him that she had passed away. And then mm. um, he would do things like eat eight bananas in one sitting. And, and just, yeah, it was just so, it was heartbreaking to see this brilliant, brilliant man, like not remember how to get dressed or what he had just eaten. It was, it was really hard to watch. But like I said, there was moments, there were moments and glimpses of he would come back for a second and, and he would share like the sound advice and, and yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade those months for the world. What did you learn from your time with him those nine months? Um, he was just always so positive and complimentary. Like you would talk to him and he would just be like, you're so beautiful. And I honestly, I honestly learned to love myself because of him. He was just always so sweet and always just telling you about your great qualities and, and sharing his life. And then the other thing I learned from him was just, well, him and my grandma had a beautiful relationship and I've, I always looked up to them for that. So kind of just what true love means. They, they loved each other so much and, and we're always sacrificing for each other. So probably those two things to love myself and to love my husband. Yeah. And you hadn't started the pro- the project by that point, right? No, I hadn't. I hadn't. I think I filmed a little bit just because I knew his time was like coming to an end. But it wasn't. It wasn't a full blown interview, which I wish I had. But mm-hmm. luckily, he wrote a history early on, and so I have that, which is great. You know, I didn't even ask you about the name of your project. <laughs> I, have we said the name of it? I don't think we have. Tell us the name of it. <laughs> it's called The Listening Ear Project. How did you come up with that? Um, Tim kind of helped me. I I knew I wanted to I knew I wanted it to be about listening because that was my whole goal was to, you know, listen to this generation. Um Yeah, it's kind of self-explanatory, but just to be a listening ear. And it doesn't necessarily have to be an old person. Like, my mission is listen to everyone. Like, I think, and I struggle with this, too. Like, I kind of, like, talk over people and, you know, we're on our phones. But just stop and, like, listen to people and their story and what they have to share. And, um, yeah, take it and learn from it and become a better person. Where can people find you on, on on social media, and where can they find these interviews? So you can find me on at the Listening Ear Project, um, or just the Listening Ear Project on Facebook. Um, yeah, the at the Listening Ear Project that's on Instagram and then Facebook, and then the Listening Ear Project dot com. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think you have to do www dot Project dot com to okay. find my website with the longer interviews on there. Okay. Where do you think the listening project, the listening air project will be in five years? I mean, I hope to just continue to interview and share stories. I mentioned in a post the other day that this is my passion and that I want it to stay my passion. So I never, I never want to feel pressured or anything. You know, I kind of am, taking it one day at a time, playing it by ear. Mm-hmm. I even took a little break for a little while, but I'm, I'm jumping back in. And um, I I mean, my long-term goal, which is kind of like my big dream, who knows how long it'll take to happen. I would love to start a nonprofit 
either like a visiting program or I think something that would be amazing would be because the biggest complaint in these facilities, you know, assisted living centers and um, nursing homes is that the food is gross. Mm-hmm. So my dream one day would do, would be to like bring in legitimate chefs of fresh food and um, to make like meals wonderful for these people because this is their everyday life and food. I'm such a foodie and that's such a big part of my life. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that would just be my dream. So that's like way down the road, my dream dream. But as far as losing your project right now, yeah, just continuing to interview and promote and share these stories. We're kind of in an uphill battle in some ways. Building a presence on Instagram is hard enough if you even have things that people love to look at. But building an Instagram mm-hmm. based off of old people is is probably extra hard. So it's probably hard oh to gosh. build that community, right? Who's going to back the, these visions up. And I want you to get to that nonprofit. So, so tell oh, us what, what that's like to build a presence on social media that revolves around the elderly. It's honestly, honestly been so hard. Like mm-hmm. there've been so many times where I wanted to throw in the towel because you know, I'll go to events and it's like, what are you? Oh, I'm a fashion blogger, which is great. I'm a lifestyle blogger. I'm a mommy blogger. What do you, what do you do? Oh, I talk to old people. Like it's just <laughs> so different and niche and um, it's kind of hard. Like I get down on myself a lot because I'm like, people aren't interested in this, you know? Mm. Um, but then at the end of the day, I think about the people that I've been with and, and I'm like, that's all that matters. Numbers don't matter. It's, you know, I'm learning if I've changed one life, that's all that matters. I don't care about numbers. I mean, as much like, you know, it's not selfish. Like, Oh, I want a lot of followers. It's like, I want these stories to be shared. People need to hear what Bill's been through. People need to see what this mother has had happened to her in her life, you know? Um, but, but honestly, I've, I've kind of given up on trying to build and, you know, get those numbers. I just, I'm just doing it because I love it, and hopefully with time, it'll get shared and and um, get more exposure. That's tricky. We we both have a similar problem there. You know, trying not to give into the mind trip every day over numbers, but also wanting mm-hmm. to build an audience towards a, a a project or a passion that you think is worth people's time and will change people's lives. So that's hard. You you have to work on building an audience, but you also have to not care too much about the growth. Totally. Totally. It's yeah, it's a daily battle for sure. Like mm-hmm. you know, I'll get down on myself because there isn't as many followers and it's but then yeah, like I said, then it's like what a, my husband was he's so great, he actually one day was like Would you do this if you d- didn't have any followers, you know? And it kind of just changed my whole perspective. Like, do I really love this? Is Am I doing it for the numbers? Am I doing it for other people? Or am I doing it for the people I'm interviewing and for myself? And it was kind of like just a great perspective that I try to keep. I want to talk about perfectionism for a moment. It's It's related to the world that we live in, you know, even the social media world. But in general, it, we have that culture that we deal with on a daily between nursing, um, the listening air project, building an audience on social media to being a wife and a mother in a very tough world for women. There's just a huge push Mm -hmm. to be so hard on ourselves, especially as women. So thinking about that for you, are, are you a perfectionist? Is that something that 
you have to daily deal with. Oh, oh yeah. I would, I would say I'm 100% a perfectionist. I, yeah, it's one of my greatest qualities. I think that's how I get things done. And, um, but it's also one of my worst because I tend to beat myself up and get down on myself if I'm not perfect. Um, but I'm trying lately. I've been trying to be more relaxed, kind of roll with the punches and just enjoy life. But it's, it's definitely a battle. Has there been a time where, where that has interfered with your goals, your quality of life, that perfectionism? Um, yeah, kind of like, like we talked about the, you know, building up a following or, yeah, I just, I'll, I'll get nitpicky about things and then I kind of just have to keep perspective. Like this, you know, a perfect feed isn't going to make or break this project or me accomplishing this goal isn't going to, um, determine my worth. Like I am accomplished just being me. So I, I try to keep that perspective. I can't think of a specific moment where um, it's like been a roadblock, but I, I know that it has, and I just mm-hmm. am constantly trying to work through it. And it's hard because I am goal-oriented, but I just have to remind myself of that perspective that, you know, it doesn't determine my worth, and it's it's not going to make or break <laughs> my project. I'm reading a book um, right now called Big Magic. I'm sure you've heard of it. Yes. But she talks about that. Like she wrote this book and um, she knew it wasn't perfect. And she just, her perfectionist side wanted to just change it, because, but she would have to change the whole entire book from start to finish. And so she just, she put it out there and she published it and she said it was kind of like a crooked house. Like it had character and I liked it because it wasn't perfect. And she said, some people hated it. Some people liked, liked it, but um, in the end, like it didn't really matter, you know, no one really cared that much. Like it wasn't going to make or break my career or my life. And I love that. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. Hmm. What has helped give you that perspective? You've talked about taking a step back when you feel like you needed it. I'm sure that has something to do mm-hmm. with it, but how would you, how could you talk about that some more? I think, um, I think looking back and seeing what you've accomplished, I think it's obviously it's healthy to look forward and have those goals and, and, and see your vision and where you want to be. But if you never look back, you're not going to recognize what you've done or appreciate how far you've come. And, um, you know, accomplishments don't have to be big or elaborate, but just seeing like, oh, like, like for you, oh, I did my first podcast. Like, that's huge. That's so cool. Or, you know, oh, I, I interviewed someone. That's amazing. This family's going to be changed forever. So I think looking back and realizing how how great you are, how how far you've come, and what you've accomplished is is huge. Hmm. And I like to talk to people about their habits because um, I like to talk to people who are goal oriented, but are all, but are um, who are also realistic and kind to themselves. It's a a tough balance between the two. So I want to know what habits you have in place that help you stay motivated, help you pursue your goals, but but also make you not a crazy person. (laughs) Oh, I'm trying to think. Um, I have a journal called five minutes a day and it has you write three, three things you're grateful for, um, three things you want to accomplish and then it has a quote and 
you do an affirmation every day, and then at the end of the day, you you just write what what you wish you would have done better, and then three things that you're grateful for from that day. Hmm. And that's kind of been a game changer for me because it's it's helped me realize like little goals are still goals, you know. And I think I think the little things matter most. Um, and just those daily habits. And so that kind of keeps me on track, keeps my, helps me keep my perspective um, and helps me realize like what I have in my life. And like, even if I've had a bum day with my project or, or, you know, some goal that I'm not accomplishing, I'm like, Oh, I have food on the table. I, it was a beautiful sunny day today. I was able to play with my daughter and that kind of helps me keep my perspective. What is an example of those affirmations? Do they provide you with an affirmation or are you supposed to come up with one yourself each day? Um, You're supposed to come up with with one every day, which is kind of hard because it sounds cheesy and you're just like, I am beautiful. I'm wonderful. You know, but I try to think of things. (laughs) No, but I try to think of things that are applicable. Like, you know, if, if I'm getting down myself or being a bad mom or wife or, you know, the perfectionist cycle that we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say something like, I'm, I'm a wonderful wife. I'm a great mom. And I really believe in the power of like positivity and affirmation because it, you believe it. The more you say it, the more you believe it. And, and then you're added to changes and you are confident in being a wife and mother. And so I think, I think it really works. Hmm. Meg Miles said that in her interview um, way back, if someone's listened to that, she talks about looking in the mirror oh, yeah. every morning and saying something like that. And mm-hmm. man, I believe what you said, though, like that positivity in your own life, and your own mind, I really feel like it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy almost. Totally, totally. And I'm not perfect. At it. Sure. I don't I don't remember to do it every day. But when I do, I can notice a huge difference, for, difference. difference for sure. So... I I have two questions for you before I let you go. The first one is what would someone be surprised to learn about you? Um, Well, I kind of mentioned it a little earlier, but I do struggle a little bit with anxiety. And then I also struggle with ADD. And most people that hear that are like, what? You're so composed. You put together. But I honestly, like, if you knew my brain, it's all over the place. Really? And I, yeah, I just am kind of a hot mess. Just kidding. <laughs> no, but, um, but yeah, most people are kind of shocked by that, that I definitely struggle with both a little mm-hmm. bit and it's like a daily battle. But yeah, most people are like, what? Like and a like, life, no, like really, a I'm just thing? crazy person. <laughs> What I was think, that? I think everyone thinks they're crazy to a certain extent. And we, you know what? We probably all are. We all have Honestly. something. But um, I was going to ask, is that something that you have dealt with since a kid? Is that how your brain has always been um, hardwired? Um, I think a little bit to an extent. But as I've gotten older, both have gotten worse. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, I my anxiety got a lot worse after having Mabel. Mm-hmm. And I've had to deal with that, and my ADD has gotten worse as, as I've gotten older, as I, you know, had to go through college and just being a wife and, like, balancing, juggling mm-hmm. everything, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just kind of daily, daily, um, trying to work through it daily. 
Yeah. So what helps you deal with both of those on a day-to-day basis? Um, my ADD, I mean, there have been times where I've had to get on medication. My ADD, mm-hmm. um, I'm currently not right now. I'm all about, you know, if you, if you need to, it's, it's important to, if it's, if it's sure. affecting your life and your relationships and there's no shame in that yeah. right now, um, I think making lists is huge from, for my ADD, just trying to stay as organized as possible, prioritizing is huge because with ADD, I can hyper-focus. I'll sit down and I'll edit a video for four hours, but I forget to do the most important things, you know, mm-hmm. or, um, so just prioritizing, making a list. And then with my anxiety, it's just, you know, trying to keep that perspective. Like I said, rolling with the punches. Um, but something that's been huge for my anxiety is just doing yoga and meditating, um, even just reading, kind of just doing things that calm me down. So, and yeah, and both have been like managed pretty well, but definitely still have to do those things that keep me, you know, grounded. Thank you so much for talking about both of those, because I know so many people can relate to both of what you said. I think especially, I don't know if there's something hardwired in us, biologically as women but when we have um when we become moms just that that anxiety in general I feel like is a is a big totally. hurdle to motherhood in general for most people so it's yeah I mean you're about taking care of a human being <laughs> of mm-hmm. course it's gonna be like oh I have to make sure this child is healthy and mm-hmm. doesn't die so yeah it can be it can so be hard much is for out sure. Of your control too. I mean, it's a it's a yeah. human <laughs> who has their yeah. own oh. personalities and weaknesses and strengths and mm-hmm. that's tough for sure. And my last question for you is: What have you learned? Um, what have you learned the past few years? Um, I would just say that I'm a lot stronger and more capable than I thought. You know, you look back and they're like, wow, I made it through that. You know, there was a time where I was going to drop out of nursing school. It was when I found out I was pregnant. I was so sick and I was not doing well on my tests. And I was like, I can't do this. Like, And luckily, my husband was sweet and wouldn't let me quit. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think looking back and being like, man, I did that. Like, I'm strong. I can get through other things, too, other hard things that are going to come my way. And, um with hard work and trusting in God, I believe in a God that can help us accomplish our goals and, um, you know, accomplish our aspirations as well and get through hard times, then, then we can make it. Well, I love everything you said, Katie. I've, I have taken away so much from this interview. Thank you very much. Oh, thanks. Thank you again, Katie. I am sure you'll be surprised how many people also love old people and love clouds, just like you. After talking to Katie, I finally dusted off that volunteer application I received a while back to help with my local Mills on Wheels. And she just inspired me to connect with the elderly people in my community who really deserve it. And I hope you can do something similar. I'd love to hear what you got out of this interview. In the show notes, I list several ways for you to get in touch with me, and you can always use the hashtag AboutProgressPodcast. Please reach out. For my Do Something highlight today, I'd like to anonymously share a reader who reached out to me. She was so kind to spend time writing me a beautiful letter about how these interviews have helped her see that she is not happy with how perfectionism is ruling her life. 
This woman is incredibly smart, driven, and successful. She is making a difference in the world, but she thought she was alone and feeling controlled by her drive to be perfect and the bad effects of that. She shared that hearing these interviews has inspired her to admit to herself the things that she now wants to start changing in her own life. I think that is one of the scariest but most necessary steps to take to really look at ourselves and evaluate if we are living the life we want to live. So thank you to this listener who was brave enough to do just that and who was now starting to work on being kinder to herself and work on finding more balance in her life. Some of you might have similar struggles where your drive to succeed is controlling you in an unhealthy way. Others might have the opposite problem where your fear of failure or of not being successful right away gives you pause to even try something. My goal is to reach both ends of the spectrum and everywhere in between. So just so you know, some of you underachievers might be just overachievers stuck behind fear. That's all for this week. Next week, I'll have another interview for you on Wednesday with a woman named Jamie Cook. Jamie and I met at BYU where she was finishing up her broadcasting studies. Jamie put those aspirations on hold for several years as she raised her small children, but now she is back on the on-ramp to her broadcasting career again. I'm going to talk with Jamie about all of that and more next week. I hope you have a great week and please take care of yourself. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.